0: This is Susanna McMonigle, and you're listening to the 5 to 8 Shift Podcast. We are so glad that you decided to check us out. The 5 to 8 Shift Podcast exists to encourage, educate, and inspire parents throughout their own parenthood and family life adventure. We know parenting can be tough. I am not trying to sugarcoat it. But few worthwhile things in life come without some sweat and some hard work. And family life is worth every ounce of effort. We're building a community of parents to remind you that you're not alone, and we are thrilled that you're here. Each month, we highlight stories from our parent community and share the latest research and tips to help families thrive. If you like what you hear today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I believe family is one of life's greatest adventures, and I am so excited to chat with you today. I look forward to cheering you on in your own 5-8 to shift. It's the most important shift of the day. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good, good. You are, um, you know, you are like, um, I have been following you on Instagram for, uh, I'm just trying to find back how far. I don't know how far. It's been a while. It's not, it wasn't like yesterday. Um, you know, I'm always looking for adoptive families. That's like one of the things I really love about Instagram is um, being able to connect with people whose families look like mine and kind of are going through some of the stuff. So I've always loved your page. Um, So why don't you start by telling my listeners a little bit about who you are and um, what you do? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So my name is Sarah Weaver, and uh, first and foremost, I'm a follower of Jesus, um, and I am saved by His grace, His good, good grace. Um, And I am a wife to an incredible man. His name is Josh, and he also loves Jesus, and he does an amazing job leading our family and serving our family. I'm so grateful that God has paired us together to do life together. I wouldn't want it with anybody else, which is always a good thing when you're married, right? Yes,
0: it is absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am also a mama uh, to a changing number of kids; it's constantly changing, and sometimes even on a weekly basis. But mm-hmm. right now, we have Harrison, James, Sean, Emmy, and Trevor, and I'm so great grateful for the opportunity to just be a mom, and I'm honored by that mm-hmm. because it is definitely something that's anointed to be a mom, to be a parent. And I'm so grateful that God has answered that prayer for our family. And uh, just to go like professionally, education wise, I went to Liberty university and I graduated from there with a degree in fashion merchandising and interior
0: design. Okay, I was going to ask you if your degree is what you're doing now. <laughs> so no, <laughs>
1: <laughs> not oh, one funny. bit.
0: That's funny. But
1: um, it's it's just really interesting how you know the the path that God takes you on totally. over the years, and this is where He's led me, and I absolutely love what I'm doing now because I've worked previously as an educator at a middle school. Okay. Lord bless our middle school educators. Lord bless Amen. them.
0: Amen. Right? <laughs>
1: and I've also been in retail management and Lord bless our retail managers. Absolutely. Right? 100%. And I actually I actually really enjoyed retail for whatever odd reason that was. I don't know why I loved it so much, but I did <laughs> and I enjoyed every minute of it, but I knew that God was calling me to do more. And so I eventually became a creative director at a church, served there for numerous years. And my job was just to make everything pretty from the website, from uh, communication materials to things within the church, helping with the church renovation, all sorts of things. So I did all of that, but even still working in a church, which is an obviously important work, I knew that God was calling me to more. and. Okay. My husband and I had been foster parents for several years and I was just like, you know what, God, I need you to show me like, if this is like my lifelong mission, if this is what you have called me to be an advocate for, um, you know, and ultimately giving him glory for that and pointing people back to Jesus because of foster care, then I need you to make that like very evident in my life this year. Yeah. So then 2020 rolls in and. He made it very evident. He made a lot no of other things way.
0: evident this year.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, he did, didn't he? Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. yep. Cool. So now now I am the development coordinator for Adore of Hope, which is a uh, nonprofit Christian foster care licensing agency in the Tampa Bay and Suncoast region area of Florida. Okay.
0: Now, have you guys always lived in Tampa
1: Bay? So we have not, we actually grew up about two and a half hours north of Tampa in a very, very tiny town, which is why I have a really interesting accent. I love your accent. I love it. Well, it's really confusing to people whenever they (laughs) see me because they (laughs) see this like somewhat Asian looking girl. And then all of a sudden this Southern twang, small town, you know, accent comes out and they're like, huh? (laughs) <laughs> um, but uh yeah we grew up about two and a half hours north of here my husband moved into town whenever he was in fifth grade and I was in fourth grade and we kind of grew up going to the same church okay. and then he went off to Liberty to play football for them on scholarship and then
0: I eventually followed suit and we were dating and then we got married and all you know all that uh, um how about here's a crazy story for you my dad played football at Liberty no way back when. yes my oh, parents went to Liberty. My parents met there, and he—I think he actually might have been on the first football team ever, maybe. Wow! I know, I'll have to check that. But yeah, isn't that a small world? That's incredible. That that's is so cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Liberty, Liberty is very good find the house. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Two for two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's fun. Um, I like the way that you, you talked about like, um, God making it known like this foster care and, you know, just, you know, making a job change. And so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is because you talk so eloquently about foster care. And when I say eloquent, I don't always mean like the fun, fluffy stuff. I mean, you talk about all of it just so eloquently and so heartfelt So I wanted you to share a little bit about sort of some of your foster care journey and how your family came to be. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So gosh, my husband and I made the choice. So we were married in 2011. Okay. And then 2013 rolls around and we have that conversation of, okay, our parents are getting older. I mean, we weren't old at the time, but we were getting older. It's like, okay, we got to really start thinking about having a family. Like, what does that look like? And we had that conversation. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll go in and I'll go make a doctor's appointment, make sure everything's checked out and, and is okay with me. Sure. Well, from that appointment, we found out that I actually have a very, very, it's very small and it's non-cancerous brain tumor. And because of it and what it is made of, it absolutely takes away any possibility for me to have and carry a child. Okay. So it's it's called a hyperprolactin microadenoma. It's located on the pituitary uh, gland, and mm-hmm. it's right below, like right near your optic nerves. So. And you had no idea about this before. You- wow. None. Wow. None whatsoever. And. So, we found out about this. We started doing infertility treatments and so we got up to the point where it was like, okay, now we're looking at IVF. Yep. We're like a year or two into infertility treatments because they tried giving me um, different uh, prescription drugs that should shrink the size of the tumor. And we got so close at one point, like my prolactin level isn't supposed to be above 30 for never having had a child or being pregnant. Okay. And it was well over 500. So, Yeah, so I mean, it was pretty high, and we ended up getting it all the way down to about fifty. So right, right near that sweet spot, and then we doubled my prescription, and for some reason, my body just kind of freaked out, and it shot back up into the um, upper two hundreds. So we're like, okay, well, apparently, this isn't what God has in store for us, and we're okay with that. Yep. So then we were presented with IVF, and as we all know, IVF is very, very expensive, and you know, my husband was a pastor, he was a youth pastor. So they, you know, when you work in ministry, you make a ministry paycheck, (laughs) which isn't much. Yeah. Um, so he was doing that and I was working in retail and we were just like, you know, this just isn't in the cards for our family right now, unfortunately. So we're like, okay, you know what, God, we're going to still pray through this. We're going to pray, pray, pray. And so we just kept on praying and we clung to James, I believe it's James 1 verses two and three consider it pure joy when you're facing many trials Uh, that was that was our that was our not I don't want to say motto because I feel like that's super fluffy compared to what what that what that verse meant to us because during that time we had family members that were having children second third kids we're having friends that are having kids and we are so excited for them. We always, yes. like, we always rejoiced with them, but at the end of the day, like the amount of like hurt and pain
0: yes,
1: that not their, not their pregnancies caused us, but just the fact that it's like, Hey, here's another reminder of what you can't do. Yeah. And as a woman. You know, that's one of like the really cool special things about women is that you can yeah. have like kids and you can carry children. And yeah. you know, that's something I always desired to do. And I always wanted to be a mom. I knew Josh always wanted to be a dad. Yes. And you know, we felt like we were almost back then, like we were robbed of that situation, like robbed yeah. of that
0: opportunity. Yeah, I mean. I, as someone who did fertility treatments and the whole nine, like I know, it, I I get it. I have been there. I always equate it to like it's not like there's like one piece of cake and your friend gets a piece of cake and you don't get any. It's like they're all going to like an Eagles game and like they forgot to give you a ticket. You know, it's like they're all like it's like you just want to go with them. You're excited for them. You are yeah. like, and it, but it's just like. Wait a minute, wait a minute, I didn't get my ticket or like no one told me that you guys were going. And it's and it's it is um it's it works on your heart the whole thing is really a pro and fertility treatments alone are so emotional. Oh my gosh. Right, right. Yeah. So I I know I yeah, that's pray, 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 totally. Yep. So that was what we were presented with and we
1: just continue to pray through that. It's like, okay, God, if we are supposed to have a child in a traditional sense you're the only one that can make that happen. Yep. Literally, really nothing I can do, nothing a doctor can do because it wasn't operable. Like nobody here on earth can make that happen except for you. If you want that to happen in that traditional sense. And so one day I am working a retail, like a retail management position and this lady, her name is Sherry. I love her. <laughs> and she came into the store and she's real prissy. Like she's super sweet and she comes to the store hey Sarah and and is needing to find something for a trip and so I'm helping her out and I share a little bit about our story with her because her kids were in our student ministry and so she kind of probed and was like hey you know do you guys want to be parents is that a desire of yours and we're like yeah and then I explained everything to her and she was like Sarah have you ever thought about foster care and I was like you know Sherry I have not And then we started having conversations about it a little more and come to find out Sherry worked for a door of hope and which is the licensing organization. And, you know, I just told her at the end of the day, I was like, Sherry, I don't know how I would be able to finally have something that I've been praying so hard for, for so many years. You're going to give me a child and then that child might have to go back. I don't know how to process that. I can't do that. Like, I can't give a child back, period, the end. (laughs) And Sherry, in her very sassy way that she can get away with, said, well, Sarah, you know, honey, it's just not about you. Okay, Sherry. All right. Drop that bomb. (laughs) Thank you. And so she dropped that nugget. And, um, you know, that really resonated with me. And I thought, you know what? You're exactly right. This isn't about me. And she just reminded me, she was like, Sarah, foster care is not about the parents. She's like, yes, your emotions are going to get tied into it completely. And that's how you know you're doing it the right way. But it's not about you. It's about that child who is in their most vulnerable situation in their entire life, whose world is crumbling down around them. And it's nothing but pure chaos. And it's about what the love and grace of Jesus Christ can do in that life through you and your husband. So I was like, well, Sherry, I think I would go home and talk to Josh about it. So we called and talked to my husband about it. And we prayed about it and we were like, okay, this is where God's calling us next. Like we know we want to be parents. And if we can't have children of our own, we want to still take care of God's kids. And we started the licensing process in February, 2016. By May, 2016, we were licensed. And actually two days before we were licensed, we got our first placement because our backgrounds came back and we were approved. So we got our first placement of two little boys, ages three and two. So wait, you got a placement the first week. So three days before we were actually licensed.
0: Oh my word.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's how big the need is. Yeah. So we weren't even licensed yet, but our background checks came back and they were approved. So we were considered what's called respite care for a couple of days until they could finish our licensure. Okay. So, We got the placement of two little boys, ages three and two, and, you know, they walked through our door May 2016, and they have never left.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: my gosh. That
1: is how our family came to be, you know. Wow. these, These two little boys, now their names are Harrison and James, walked through our door. They never left. They brought their sister in, who is Emmy. And um, that's how our family came to be. And we've, we've had so many other, I think we've had now roughly like 18 to 20 kids through our home. Oh my gosh. And um, these three have stuck around from the very beginning. And that's how like God made our family and just, you know, coming to the revelation of, okay, God, cause you know, it's still. I'm not gonna lie; it's still struggle that I can't have biological children. Yeah, not that they are any more important or less important than the children that God has graciously given our family, but you know, it's just a, it's just a little. It's, it's the desire of my heart. I can't. I mean, I can't get away from it. Yeah. But, you know, just thinking back, okay, God, you've given us these children. Thank you so much. But I still have this brain tumor that's preventing me from having kids. Like, what gives? Yeah. And then coming to the revelation of hey, Sarah, guess what? I gave you that or I allowed this to happen so that these children would land in your home the trajectory of their life because of my goodness and my grace. Their their lives are forever changed. And it took for you to have a brain tumor for them to have that opportunity. And I thought, praise God. (laughs) that I have this brain tumor. Like I never in a million years thought I would ever say that, but praise God that he gave that to me because look at, look at how he has fulfilled like our heart's desire of being parents and our heart's desire to have a family with a lot of children, which some days is questionable, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, just to give us, you know, what, what we've prayed for for so long. And it did take certain things to get us there. And that was just part of that story. And so just to be able to look back and think, man, God, I see, I see what you were doing now, even though in the throes of it, you can't understand it. And I feel like any, anything that you go through in life, that's hard. Well, if it's worth it, it's going to be hard. Of course it is. Yep. So just going through that storm, you know, you obviously don't see like what God's doing. You don't see what his end result is. And that's okay. And it's okay to be in a situation where you have zero control over any of it. Yep. But knowing and trusting that God's got it, God's going to be faithful. He always is. He's always going to be providential is the best, like, hindsight. It's like, ah, okay, God, I see what you did there. Yes. I see what you did there. (laughs) I trust you. I promise. Even though in, like, the throes of it, it's so hard to surrender that situation. It is.
0: Uh, But, you know. It is, and I I joke with my husband, and I always say, you know, if God just showed me what's going to happen on twenty twenty one, I'd be a better, you know, I I, I would take things better, I would be more patient. And he's like, no, you wouldn't. (laughs) No, you wouldn't. You'd be the same. But it's true, and it's really hard to like see some of that stuff when it's happening. But when you look back and you see all these things that were prepared for you and your family's path, like it. For me, it blows my mind. It's just like absolutely yeah. remarkable. The littlest things. I mean, even just like that one conversation with Sherry, you know, began to change the trajectory of all these lives. It's yep.
1: incredible, absolutely. And here's here's another just random interesting thing. So we're, yeah, going through, sure. we're going through our licensing classes. So our professional parenting training. So we're professional parents, apparently. Don't <laughs> we'll feel like it, but yeah. apparently by the state, we are recognized as that. So we're going through our classes in February. That's when we started them. And one of the stories that they shared with us during the training, they were like, you know, what, let's take a look at all the intakes coming in right now. And one of the intakes was a three-year-old little boy and a two-year-old little boy siblings. And the notes were, they are nonverbal mm. for the most part. And the oldest one really likes chicken nuggets. And, <laughs> If you separate them, the younger one cries. Lo and behold, our kids were removed in February, and those are our kids. Oh my word. So already we when we started classes, we started hearing about the children that God had lined up for our family. Oh my like, word. How crazy is that? I have chills. That is that's bonkers. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. so, you know, we naturally joke with them, you know, we, they always love chicken nuggets from like McDonald's <laughs> or whatever. We don't eat it frequently, but sometimes if they want it, whatever, but he always, All about
0: it. balance. <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: It is. It absolutely is. But yeah, so, so many cool things that God has done over the years of us fostering and um, building our family is one of them. So we, we credit so much to Sweet Sherry, who now I get to work with and I love immensely but also the organization Adore of Hope. Like they, they have forever changed our family. Mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. We are so grateful for that. And now I'm like stoked that I get to work with them. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's awesome. It's a dream. That's how I feel. <laughs> when I wake up. I'm like, God, you are so, so good. You took us through so many different
0: things. To bring us to where we are now, like thank you, Jesus, for all of that. Yes, amazing, amazing. Um, you know, and on Instagram, you post a lot about some of the foster care stuff and in, in your family. And so, um, one of the things you posted about, gosh, I don't even know if it was recently at this point, Sarah. You po- you probably post about it all the time, but you talked about um, when someone says to you, "Well, I could never foster because I could never give that child back," and you touched on this earlier. Well, what do you say to somebody who, who, um, who shares like that kind of um, yeah. obstacle to getting involved in foster care?
1: Yeah. So we get that a lot. And a lot of times I'm not going to lie for foster parents. We get that statement. And especially if you're like new into foster care, sometimes it's like, it's a little offensive hmm. and people don't, obviously normal people don't think of it that way because they're like, I just can't do it. Yeah. And so foster parents, a lot of times whenever I'm speaking to them, I ask them what they say to people in that situation too. They're like, I can't even believe that those words would come out of their mouths. Like it's easy for us to give them back. Yeah. Because it's like one of the most gut-wrenching experiences you'll ever have to have a child, not be like, not to be dramatic, but to have a child ripped from your arms that you have cared for, you've been up in the middle of the night with, you've helped them work through trauma, you've helped rewire their brain to function like the brain of a child all of these different things and to have them taken from you is literally like mourning the loss of a child like the death of a child Mm -hmm. because they're removed from you you know so a lot of times like foster families really struggle with responding to that because it's like how I, I I can't I can't give them back but I have to you know yes um but honestly I just to be a little more graceful in my responses to them. I always tell them what, what Sherry told me, you know, I had that same question and same response before we started fostering, but I was reminded that we can't do it. Like, and it's okay that we can't do it because it's not about us. Yes. But also I feel like if God puts us in situations where we can do it, it doesn't build that reliance on him. It doesn't show us that we need him to be able to do it. And yeah. that's, that's kind of what I always tell people like, sure, I can't do it. You can't do it. But by God's grace and his goodness and our reliance on him, we can, and we can trust that God loves this child more than we ever could. God can protect this child more than we ever could. So yeah. we just have to trust that God's going to do those things. And so that's what I always just tell people like, hey, it's not about you necessarily, but yeah. also it's okay that you can't do it. Like everybody goes through that same feeling
0: no that, that that's really poignant and and i i mean just looking back on my own life there are some super awkward you know um things that i've been a part of and you know i thought to myself i can't do this i cannot have this conversation i cannot walk into that room and it's like but but but, but god god can do it he can work through me he will give me the words i mean sometimes um, I'm a professor and sometimes I have a student and they've just blown my mind with something they say, cause 20 year olds like to tell you things uh-huh. that blow your mind. And I just, yep. I'm always, God, give me the words. I have no idea how to respond to this right now. <laughs> and it sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the, one of the things, um, that you are a part of is this Christmas program and this yep. Christmas program. For foster families, and so I, one of the reasons I like one did work you into my podcast schedule is because I want people to know about this. So tell us a little bit about um, the program and um, how it's uh, how it's helping foster families.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Christmas for Fosters, huh? So who doesn't love Christmas? Like, if you don't like Christmas, I don't know what to tell you. That's but right. I <laughs> I love Christmas. Same. I one of my love languages is gifts giving. Um, so I love to give to other people. It's like my favorite thing in the entire world. Like you don't ever have to give me anything. If I could just give, 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 give. Like if I were a millionaire, I would be broke because I would just give it away. (laughs) Like my favorite thing. But with Christmas for fosters, you know, we were a foster family. We have these two little kiddos and, you know, we provided Christmas for them. It was great. But I thought, man, can you imagine what this is like for foster families who are also trying to provide for their foster kids? and their biological kids, and their adopted kids, or whoever, Yeah, you know, this could be really financially burdensome. So, it originally started as a way to serve our foster families, and obviously the foster kids that are going to be receiving the gifts. Like, we want to just be able to give joy and equip people and mobilize people to give joy to foster care, uh, to the foster care community on Christmas morning. So, that's kind of how it started, and it originally started just for our Adore of Hope families in Hillsborough okay. County. So about 45 kids and that year it blew up to over 80 and then the following year I think it was around 187 or something oh like that gosh. and then the year after that it just exploded to over 200 and this year we're already at about 215 kids that are requesting to be sponsored wow. and it's only November.
0: <laughs> yeah it's the begin- it's the first week in November.
1: Yeah yeah Ooh. so you know it's, it's grown outside of the Door of Hope organization to really be, become a ministry to people who don't necessarily belong to the Christian faith. So these are people that probably have heard the name of Jesus or like know about church or whatever, yeah. but they don't actively attend one. they're not practicing, whatever. So this is a way for us to let them know in a very practical sense, like, hey, Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. It is the love of Jesus that motivates us to want to surround your family and love on them and give to them. So it's now exploded into this pretty big program that services a lot of families and a lot of kids. And it's really, it's really cool to, to have seen it grow from the very beginning. Yeah, I bet. What it is now, because without community, without social media, we would not be able to take care of all of these kids. Yeah. And we've had so many foster mamas come up to us saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Christmas would not have happened had it not been for this organization. And so just, you know, going back and just thanking God for being providential in this, like mobilizing his hands, his hands, his feet, to come alongside these foster families and these foster kids to make their Christmas dreams come true and to really give joy on Christmas morning. So that's how it came to be. It's a pretty...
0: It's a pretty cool project. It's very labor intensive. Yes. So, so do people <laughs> actually buy gifts or give money? Do they do both? Um, yeah, they, I imagine it's a lot to organize.
1: It is, and for several years it was a one woman show. So, and I had other volunteers and things like that, but a lot of the admin, like organizational things, were one woman, and kind of still are. But it 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 is a very huge project, and sponsors can either adopt children. So they would sign up as a sponsor. They could put in preferences like age or gender or whatever. They could submit that to us and then we'll match them with a child. And then they will be given the full profile of that child, their name, their hobbies, their interests, their wish list, their clothing sizes, shoe sizes, all of the things that they would need to know to kind of get a better understanding of the child to go out and buy gifts for them. So we have people that do that. And we also have people who give monetarily to be able to let us mobilize our volunteers to go out and do the shopping for them because let's just be real, the holidays are busy, Christmas is busy. You know, we're all at it different is. levels of busy, but it's still busy. Absolutely. So we have the people who want to serve in that way that may not necessarily be able to sponsor a kid on their own, but they, they want to serve. And so they, they go out and they shop and they
0: have fun. Oh, that is fun. That is fun. That's awesome. So you have over 200, 200 kids. Yes. Hoping yep. to be okay, part of this yep. this year. Okay. And all
1: right. I will say normally with, with some of the Christmas sponsorship programs, they have deadlines as early as like October 15th. Oof. So, okay. with foster care in the Tampa Bay and Suncoast region of Florida, we have on average nine kids a day that enter foster care. Mm. So, if you can imagine from October 16th up until December 25th, even yeah. on the day of Christmas, all these kids that are coming into care you know, they don't, they don't have the opportunity to apply for those programs. So we like to keep ours open and flexible as much as we can. Yeah. It's great right for kids. So we, like last year we were handing out gifts to a family on like Christmas Eve Aww, for awesome. our kids that were coming into care. And, you know, our pickup date is a little bit earlier than normal this year. Cause we normally have like a huge pickup event where the foster families will come Yeah. and we love on the foster parents. We give them gifts and all the things. And this year, it's a little bit earlier. So we're reserving a portion of our donations for kids that come into care after December 11th through the 24th. So we can then buy gift cards for that foster family to go out and buy gifts for those kids and that kind of thing. That's
0: awesome. And I feel like when you do this a couple years, you, you can um, anticipate some of those things. And that is so cool that you can show up even at the last minute. That is so yep. awesome, Sarah. What a great ministry, especially around Christmas time. And I love what you said about being his hands and his feet, because during the holidays, we can get busy with a lot of stuff that's like, at the end of the day, it's not important. You know, it's fun. There's, there's some fun Santa or elf or whatever. I mean, it's all fun, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's, um, there are some things I think that time of year where we can really. Uh, show up big for our community members. Yep. And that yep. is really cool. And this is such a great, um, such a great ministry. Thank you for doing Absolutely. that. That's awesome. hey, it's, it is my joy. Like I, <laughs> I, once love again,
1: I love being able to just not only like make people happy, like obviously who doesn't want to do that, but to be able to like rally people around to bring up awareness about foster care and the need for more people to get involved in the foster care tribe to support these families, support these kiddos. Like that's huge. Um, it it's a very humbling responsibility at the same time to be able to be in charge of something like this, sure. knowing how big of a difference it's making. So it's, it's, oh, it's worth every single minute I spend doing it and that's awesome. that our team spends doing it. And what's really cool too, is that all of our volunteers, the majority of them are foster moms. have benefited from the organization in the past. And they're like, Hey, I want to get involved. I want to give back. I want to do my part in making Christmas happen for all of these kids. That's awesome. So
0: it's, it's pretty cool. That is so cool. That is awesome. Um, all right. So kind of to wrap it up here, I have just a couple more questions here at the end. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give somebody who's considering, um, becoming a foster family? I mean, you it's could probably talk for an hour question. about that. What is, like, uh, maybe one or two things you yeah. got.
1: So get ready to get attached. Yeah. And don't be scared to get attached. Like, I remember when we first took in um, Harrison and James, I told my husband, I was like, okay, so what are we going to have them call us? And so we weren't about the Mr. and Mrs. Yeah.
0: Because
1: we're like, that's that's, like, very authoritative like school whatever Mm -hmm. we don't we want them to feel like it's a home but we weren't comfortable saying hey call us mom and dad you know um so you know we we went at the angle of just call us sarah and josh um and a part of me was like let's just i'm just gonna have them call me auntie sarah because that's what all my nieces and nephews did and my husband was like no why would you do that (laughs) and i was like yeah because there's emotional attachment whenever they start calling you mom and dad. And I was terrified of that.
0: Yeah.
1: Because of, once again, that hurt of, like, you're, the state is now giving me the responsibility of caring for these kids. So how am I supposed to give them back if I'm emotionally attached? And so, you know, Josh, thankfully, God has paired me with such a great man he was kind of like, okay, we got to work through this before we take kids in. Like, yeah. we got to we gotta get to the bottom of this, like, yeah. fast, because we're on our <laughs> way to go get the kids right now. So, you know, we worked through that. And, you know, it just kind of broke down barriers of the, the being afraid, being fearful of being emotionally attached. But when you are emotionally attached, and when it absolutely disrupts and destroys your world, which sounds horrible. <laughs> so many people are going to want to pause or this. Uh, but whenever your life is completely turned upside down, when a child leaves your home, you know, you did the right thing and you know, you did it the right way. And that's probably the number one thing that I would tell people get attached. Yeah. They are worth every ounce of emotion that you end up expressing once they leave or when they stay or whatever. Yeah. They are absolutely worth it. Like God has fulfilled so much for our family through the children that have been in our home, whether they have stayed for a night or forever. So much that we didn't even know that we were searching for. Yeah.
0: It's amazing. Um,
1: And all of that, we we, we were able to have all of that because of our obedience to say yes. And so for the families that are scared because I can't give the child back, like how can I do that? It's going to be okay. Yeah. Because you have Christ.
0: Absolutely. Oh, that's so good. Okay. All right. I know a lot of people are going to be encouraged by that. Um, At the end of um, each of our episodes, I ask um, my guests two things. So, number one, what is your favorite family activity? Which probably ebbs and flows based on how many kiddos you got in the house at the time. But what is your um, favorite family activity you guys like to do together?
1: So, (laughs) this is kind of a funny story. So, my husband and I have never, especially my husband, has never been huge on Disney. Okay. Like ever, <laughs> ever. You're so four
0: people too, so that's right. Kinda, and we're yeah. only
1: like an hour away from there. Oh, she's so. um He's never been a huge Disney person, but we're like, let's take the kids to Disney. Like, we got him in May. We're like, this November, we're going to take him to Disney. It's going to be the best days ever. <laughs> and so we went and did it. Well, we ended up buying angel passes after that. Like the kids <laughs> had so much fun, and it was so Aww. fun and magical to see Disney through the eyes of children. Like it completely yes. changed his opinion. I already love Disney, so whatever. But it completely changed his opinion on it. So to the point where now he has Mickey Mouse vans that he wears to Disney World. Like like he's getting all decked oh, out. Oh, he's
0: drinking the Kool-Aid. He's ready. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. So definitely going to Disney is our favorite family thing to do together because it's guaranteed fun. Oh
0: yeah. And the
1: and it really does make some really magical memories. It definitely looks a little different nowadays (laughs) i know i know i was ready for it to get back to normal
0: morning i know i know hopefully sooner around later but yes but they still have fun that's right that's so awesome i know it is different when you see things through a kid's eyes it really is magical it's magical it's the most magical place on earth right and (laughs) through a kids eyes
1: it really really is
0: Awesome, awesome. And if people want to connect more with you or learn um about the Christmas for Fosters program, where can they do that? So
1: Christmas for Fosters is on Facebook. You just literally look at Christmas for Fosters. Beautiful. And then also on Instagram, same thing, Christmas for Fosters is the the username. Okay. So they can connect on there and then I'm on Instagram as well as Sarah Lee Weaver. Okay. Was what
0: is Lee middle name or maiden name? Yeah, okay. Sarah Lee. Name. Yes. Nobody <laughs> doesn't like Sarah Lee. I know. I know. You know, I, my name's Susanna. So I mm-hmm. was always say, you know, Susanna to me. So I, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you get it. Yes,
0: I totally 100% get it. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really, really appreciate it. It's been absolutely. awesome to have you. you. I just feel like your energy, your energy online and to hear your voice is just fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. Well,
1: thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was absolutely exciting.
0: Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Be sure to share with us on Instagram what you liked most about the episode by tagging me at susanna.mcmonagle. And lastly, if you want more information about The 5 to 8 Shift, you can check out our website, the5to8shift.com. We'll see you guys next time.